The following was recorded at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm Marco Werman, and this is the world. And we begin our program today here in downtown Boston,、uh, on the Boston Common, in fact, the famous Boston Common. It's a beautiful sunny spring day. People are out for their lunch breaks. People walking their dogs. If you turn around in the opposite direction of Boston Common, you're looking down Boylston Street. Now, Boylston Street is where the last stretch of the Boston Marathon takes place. It's where the two bombs went off yesterday. Today, Boylston Street is blocked off. It's blocked at the end by a metal gate. There are bouquets of flowers in front of the gate and Boston T-shirts in honor of the dead, in honor of the other victims, the injured from the Boston Marathon, in honor of Boston and the marathon itself. I'd like to turn first to Juliette Kayyem. She's a columnist with the Boston Globe and a former administrator in the Obama administration with Homeland Security. We spoke to you at length yesterday, Juliette. What is the latest that we know at this point about what happened yesterday? Well, in terms of the investigation, not much more, except that there was a lot of rumors.、Uh, but the president came out today and really said, "Look, it's going to take time in this investigation." I think what he wants to do is to reserve his own flexibility. If this is a foreign terrorist threat, he's going to have to work with other nations. They may not be so.、Um, Happy about it being public.、Uh, if it's domestic, a whole series of laws under the Constitution and our legal framework are going to apply. If it's a U.S. citizen, and that person's going to be put through the criminal justice system. So I think the safe thing to say right now is we don't know between those two options. And、uh, the president and all of the public officials that came out today really don't want to close off any line of inquiry. I certainly don't want to speculate,、yes. but what does the evidence at this point—just、so, the little bits and have, clues you know, that you're seeing indicate to you? This, it is important to say there are some clues、uh, that we can get from the attack itself.、Uh, the bombs were not. Clearly sophisticated, so we have at least some notion that someone was put, able to put it together without much training, which would suggest a domestic or lone individual. It is very likely that the individual was present at the detonation. This was not obviously a suicide bombing, and there is no evidence right now that this was triggered by cell phones. It, it may be that that evidence comes out. And then finally, the fact that no one is taking credit for it.、Uh, if this were Yemen-inspired Al Qaeda or、uh, someone abroad, you would suspect that they would feel pretty free to take credit for it. The silence, as each hour goes on, makes me think this is a criminal who is now in hiding. And we've seen this before with, say, Atlanta at the Atlanta Olympic bombing. There was an eerie kind of believable quality to、yeah. uh, the Taliban saying yesterday we had nothing to do with this. <laughs> That's the world we live in.、Uh, it is true, and、um, there's a reason why they're doing that, right? They're trying to negotiate with the Afghan government. It is strange how different、uh, things are right now, 12 years later, and a lot of it also is how different the White House is. I mean, the president is getting into you know some criticism for not using the right words yesterday. I don't actually personally get that. I think terrorism is a very loaded. It's a very scary word. Um, and so everyone knows this was an act of terror. Why do we need to sort of throw it out there, especially when we don't know what the motive is、uh, of the person who did it? Are you surprised by the very cautious use of the word terror and terrorism? No, because、um, for a long time this president has not used the word terror and terrorism、um, in、uh, when we didn't know what it was. He doesn't use the. The sign of the times. He does not use the words、uh, "war on terrorism."、Uh, he wants culprits to be individualized and to be called out、uh, by their name. And so, I'm not surprised by that. It's also consistent with, I think, you know, sort of 11 or 12 years later, that that was such a scary word at such a moment in time that led to a lot of things that this president. 
including two wars, has spent a lot of time trying to get out of. And I think that there's just a, a way that he thinks about the threats we face that can't be summed up in a word. Let me ask you about those lessons learned from 9-11, yeah. because I, your colleague Kevin Cullen wrote today yeah. um, that the medical tent at the finish line right. had seen nothing worse than a blister all day yeah. uh, and in a moment turned into a battlefield triage unit. But that speaks to, I think, doesn't it, yeah. what we learned on 9-11? Yeah. So 9-11 taught us many things and the training that's going on. But the, one of the key trainings is this notion called all-hazards training, which is you can train for the blisters and you can train for the dehydration and the exhaustion. And in a moment's notice, you could turn it down and, and turn it essentially into a you know casualty unit. And that's what they did. We are so lucky to have such amazing hospitals here, too. They weren't anticipating this, but they were anticipating or they could anticipate what if the winds got very bad. What if you had massive dehydration or whatever else that you needed to get runners off the field? So they knew how to do that as well. Julia, what do you think is critical at, at this point in terms of the investigation and, and what next? So generally how these things work, if there isn't a full disclosure in the next 72 hours, we might go into a long slog. I hate to use that terminology, uh, that these things might just take time. I think it's not a coincidence that the president just said we need time. It may be that the clues are leading nowhere right now uh, or that there are so many clues. I mean, the photos, the video, everything. It's just going to take time. Boston Globe columnist Julia Kayyem, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm in downtown Boston with Dina Kraft, who's a longtime foreign correspondent uh, based in Israel until rather recently, uh, and also in around Africa. And you moved to Boston when? About a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago, exactly. Yeah. And um, was not expecting to be covering bombings here in what normally feels like a pretty placid city. So having covered bombings uh, around the Mideast in Africa, I mean, here you are in Boston to get away from that. What was it like watching this very peaceful marathon yesterday and then suddenly it all changes in a moment? Well, I actually come down earlier to watch the marathon, in part because, you know, it's, 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 everyone talks about the, the mythology of the race and the, the buzz and the vibe, and it was amazing watching people sort of cheering and clapping and, like, the real sort of go, go, go sort of feeling. But then I went home. Actually, I had to go do something. So I went home, and then I heard about the bombing, turned on the radio, assuming, oh, my gosh, there must be news. And there just wasn't any news. Um, and in Israel, as soon as any sort of word of an attack comes, the voices start blaring and, and very high-pitched, rapid-fire speech, even if they don't know what's going on. It, everyone says the word, pigua, pigua, attack, attack. Um, and here, sort of politely, at about half past the hour, the newscaster came on and, and, and gave an update with considerable bad news about the bombings, about people's legs being blown off. And even just the amount of time it took to get the news was interesting to me. What do you think accounts for that disconnect? Because, I mean, the United States is notoriously on the news and as it breaks, so... Yeah, but they're not on the news for, for bombs blo blowing up people um, and the way they are, unfortunately, in places like Israel and around the world. And even when I went to the hospitals, you know, I actually told my editor, I said, you know, should I go to the hospital? It hadn't even occurred to them, I think, because here in Israel, of course, you rush to the hospitals, but also you get access at hospitals. You know, within about an hour, you're talking to families of victims, you're talking to people, because part of the Israeli ideas is to get the story out, to tell people what's going on, but also it's a much more informal society, and here there are rules and privacy and procedures. I rushed over to a Brigham and Women's Hospital yesterday after I heard that a suspect was possibly being held there, thinking we would get some information. It took about five hours after I arrived to finally have a doctor even come out and talk to us. You've talked about how the media has reacted and how the hospitals have reacted. What about the faces and the people in the crowd, the reaction here in Boston? Any differences there, did you notice? Yeah. I mean, it was so interesting, the confusion here. People talked about they heard a, a, the first boom and they thought it was a cannon, perhaps a ceremonial cannon, because it was Patriot's Day yesterday, which is so interesting because in Israel, no one would confuse a boom for anything but something really bad, i.e. a bomb. And here it took the second boom for people to kind of come together and figure out, oh, my God, run away. 
you know, Israelis, they're so habituated to this. They sort of know what to do. They kind of know sort of the, the motions to go through. Um, and here it's also new. And to hear people talking about how will we deal with this, how will we manage, how will we go on a marathon again in Jerusalem in the beginning of the Second Intifada, number 18 bus was, was repeatedly bombed. People say, oh, well, I'm not going to take the 18 bus again. But guess what? A month later, they're taking the 18 bus because they have to. And guess what? People are saying they might not run the marathon. They will run the marathon again because they have to because life goes on. So for you, Dina, personally, I mean, is it hard to kind of like view this tragedy through kind of a, a, an Israeli prism, if you will, that's a year and a half old? difficult. What's sad to me is I feel the same old feeling of dread in my bones, that weariness of like, ugh. And, and also, this place sort of felt like a sanctuary of calm, that these sort of things couldn't happen. But of course, that's naive. Of course, they happen here, too. Today, we're down here just a, a block and a half from the crime scene itself. Uh, if it weren't for all these uh, emergency vehicles and block road signs, it's a beautiful spring day. I mean, how does it feel to you? Right, I mean, that is that part is familiar, that strange contrast of something horrible has happened. People's lives have irrevocably changed and are different, and, and so people aren't coming back from running those roads. Um, and then the, the normality, and that's sort of, that's what Israelis live with, that sort of contrast of normal life goes on and, and mourning at the same time. And, it, and it, what it creates in Israel is a much more sort of, I think, intense understanding of um, the value of life and to sort of live life to its fullest. And I've heard those sort of comments from Bostonians today, sort of appreciating life and appreciating a a beautiful day um, that's not destroyed by booms. Well, reporter Dina Kraft, thanks so much for meeting us here. Thank you. While I was at the marathon site today, I spoke with some runners who were on Boylston Street where the race ends. Some of them were wearing their medals around their necks. A few had traveled hundreds of miles to run here. Others had come from halfway around the globe. For one runner, his marathon day included a visit from the FBI. My name is Knox Robinson. I'm from the New York running crew Black Roses NYC. We're part of like an international community of, of, uh, of runners. So as things were happening, my phone, I was getting texts from Seoul, Shanghai, Singapore, Moscow, London. But it's important to know that even tonight, runners are getting together in Moscow to run together en masse to support that. And you see the hashtag circulating online, Pray for Boston. So people have understand that it's an international community um, that was affected yesterday, not just the runners who did or didn't cross the finish line. I'm curious to know what the FBI asked you. They were just doing their diligence, asking if if we had seen anything suspicious. They were asking us for any information because um, when you when you think about it the the attack area is so small what people don't realize on an international level this isn't like a massive overproduced commercial marathon it's 117 years old it starts in a small town in the middle of the country on a two-lane road and it ends in a small old for america city in the middle of town and so any runner could have seen anything any participant any guest could have seen anything and and unfortunately the factors that underscored the extent of the damage um, also are, are the reasons that make this America's Marathon. My name is David Fernandes. I'm from Sao Paulo, Brazil. I heard the explosion. I thought, what happened? Maybe some fires. So when I asked somebody, he said about the bomb. It's a little sad. I wish I would be here next year and I will see what happened. Maybe the best marathon ever. That's what I'm going to do. Hi, my name is Luis Juan, and I'm from uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. We were detained probably in mile 26, uh, and we were diverted to a different section because at the moment that we were on mile 26, we were warned that something happened. We needed to wait for a couple of uh, time in order to 
realize how deep and tragic was the situation. George Mayer from Vienna. I think it will affect marathon running in the future because they have to rise the safety standards and I don't know how they will do it. So, but I think you cannot surrender to violence. So they should make it again next year and more people than ever should come to Boston and to cheer on. Thanks to runners Knox, Knox Robinson, David Fernandez, Luis Kwan, and George Mayer. You can see more from Boston's Boylston Street and the outpouring of support for this city coping with shock. We have video from downtown Boston. That's at the world. Org. If you were at the marathon or have a story to tell about it, please tell it to us. Post your story at theworld.org.